My Hockey Hero is proudly supported by eBay Canada. My name is Dean. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. I didn't see myself as a black hockey player. I saw myself as a hockey player. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. When you're on a hockey card, it's, it's pretty cool. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players. And I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Mark Fraser was born in Ottawa in 1986. Mark became an NHL defenseman and played for the New Jersey Devils, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Edmonton Oilers. So how does Mark feel when he sees his rookie card? What comes to mind is is remembering those days, being in Lowell in the minors, um, playing up. They actually tricked people with that picture because that's a minor league picture that they photoshopped the six on my jersey rather than a five because I'm wearing a visor in that picture, but I never wore a visor when I played in the NHL those years. Uh, so, it's, yeah, so so they actually tricked people with that image. But um, I think one of the things that comes to mind is, is, you know, as a young hockey player, when you actually have your first hockey card, like your rookie card, um, it's a little bit of a cemented, like, I think I made it. Like, it's not a prospects card. It's not a draft pick card. It's like, this is, this is an NHL hockey card. Um, so just, I think, remembering some of those early days and that hunger of, of uh, you know, wanting to be a, a, a mainstay in the NHL. Mark was born and raised in the suburbs of Ottawa, where he was surrounded by a community full of opportunities to play sports. You know, from a proud community uh, in Blackburn Hamlet, small, small, uh, um, you know, middle middle class suburb, I guess, uh, just a few minutes outside the downtown core of Ottawa. But, um, you know, beautiful neighborhood, uh, sort of a lot of humble beginnings, um, but just a ton of community kids. That when we were surrounded by NCC Green Space and we were just, you know, encouraged to be outside and playing the whole time. So we played street hockey, road hockey, uh, driveway hockey with my older brother and some of our neighbors. Um, that was, and there's a, we backed onto the elementary school um, that we that we all grew up going to, so again, just shooting hoops out there, whatever it was, playing catch. And as you mentioned, yes, uh, with my dad in the household, it was like every sport. It was we played driveway hockey, um, shooting hoops behind the school. Uh, we'd go down to the little ball diamond there, and I remember one of the favorite things to do for my brother and I is just get my dad to throw us pop flies. And we just like the higher the better. We wanted to get under it and just feel like you know Joe Carter out out in the, in the left field or something. Um, it was uh, it, it was it was a lot of sports and and a lot of um, you know physical activity and me being the youngest probably you know some tears of not getting you know included in some ways or having being sick and tired of having to be the goalie or something like that but um, no it was a special there's there's a lot of I grew up again the youngest and my middle brother was uh, our older brother but middle sibling was a huge jock as well. And having a sports dad and even my mom being athletic as well. And she was actually the one who played hockey growing up in our household. But but um, yeah, no, it, it was just incredible. Um, and, and my dad, on top of what you mentioned, you know, he was formerly a, a draft pick of the Toronto Argonauts and, and Canada's fastest man as an Olympic sprinter for Team Canada for, for a number of years. So before his his path in law following his father's footsteps, you know, he certainly paved, paved a way for us athletically 
And that's what a lot of the childhood was, was just sports and, and outdoor fun. When Mark first took to the ice, his parents worked hard to nurture him. Public skating, um, Blackburn Arena, local rink, going to public skating, probably Friday evenings. Uh, I remember being, well, I played hockey school so when I was probably four to seven. So that whatever I think they call Timbits these days. Um, but I, uh, I remember being in the stands crying because this other kid who I learned later on was a couple years older than me, but he was smaller than me, was just flying around. And I remember being sad because I couldn't, or discouraged, I suppose, because I couldn't do what this kid could do. I remember my mom pointing out, well, he's a couple grades older than you, Mark. Um, I remember getting out on the out, or sorry, on the public skating sheet. Um, I remember my dad putting a quarter down on the ice on the blue line to try to get me to stop. And if I could stop, then I was I'd collect the quarter. Um, and so that was how I first started learning how to stop. And my dad was a Jamaican immigrant who could skate, but he wasn't exactly, you know, any power skating coach. And my brother's four years older, so I'm pretty sure he was at that time just probably rip around doing laps with his friends as like public skating when you're 10 probably seems like the coolest thing you could do on a Friday night. Um, but yeah, so I was, uh, those are some of the first memories. And then just, you know, the, the hockey school Timbits, uh, you know, getting your SO medal for, for uh, sportsmanship or most improved player, whatever those types of things. And I just fell in love with it from that age. It wasn't until later in his teenage years that Mark began to emerge as a future talent. I'm for probably for some considered a late bloomer. Um, I think I was probably uh, around a, a couple of years, 11 and 12, when I started playing Rep B. Um, I probably most people may know it as single A, I guess. Um, and then made the jump to triple A. I played a couple of summers of triple A hockey around that time, probably like 11, 12, 13 years old. Uh, so despite being an A player was, you know, talented. But I think when I first was playing the, that A level, I'm not sure I actually had even gone out yet for a triple A tryout. Um, so through a couple of years of summer hockey and, and um, you know, I played a lot of other sports in the summertime. So I'm definitely a proponent of not just putting your kids exclusively in hockey year round. Uh, but that definitely gave me a little bit of introduction to some, you know, more competitive players, more travel team type stuff. And I guess 12 to 15. Uh, or 13, 14, 15 was a triple A player. So for major P we threw out Bantam, um, was a triple A player. And even at that, you know, was a solid, well-rounded player, 15 years old. I played juniors for the first time, uh, played junior B uh, leading into my 16 year old birthday. And then a couple years of tier two junior hockey. And that's when I really went more from, uh, once I made the jump as a 16 year old to, to the junior level, a little less of a solid two way defenseman and just a strictly defensive defenseman uh, going end to end wasn't really a reality anymore as, as you know, I'm dealing with bigger bodies and more developed athletes, of course. But uh, even at that, honestly, I was drafted juniors drafted to the OHL drafted to the NHL. Uh, and every time I probably was still seen as a guy with a lot of potential, um, good work ethic. You can teach this guy, you can mold him. Uh, there's some raw talent there, but far from polished. From Mark's experience, he believes that work ethic and attitude will often get players further. You know, I think there's real value in uh, a lot of kids, you know, or parents, even they, you expect that you need to be the highest scorer, like the, you know, the sexiest skilled player out there, whatever the sport may be, but certainly you see it on the ice. And that's just not simply always the case. You know, I played with a lot of guys who were far more talented than me, uh, but clearly they didn't make it nearly as far as I did. And that, a lot of that came from work ethic a lot of that came from, you know, having assets that you can use to help contribute to team success. And then the rest of that is being coachable. I still like even at the pro level, I play with guys who were incredible athletes and amazing skill hockey players. 
but maybe only had like a you know a cup of coffee or the odd game called up in the NHL and largely that's partially between the years and it was partially attitude or it was their leadership or um you know work ethic and showing that they maybe aren't always you know do it going that extra mile um but that's what it takes to you know to be successful and that's what it takes to be great and and that's just I guess what I what I championed throughout a lot of my athletic career even as a youngster Mark eventually got drafted to the OHL and played for the Kitchener Rangers but quickly found himself with real momentum to the NHL. Went to the Barry training camp. Um, that was a, a whirlwind of an experience in itself. Um, I remember my dad driving me up there for it. Uh, you know, just, just that first taste of kind of like, this is the next level up, right? Like I'm separated now from the rest of my friends I referenced earlier. Like I'm now off doing this and everyone's just going into, uh, you know, U17 or U16 tryouts. Um, but again, I was still skill or school bound. So I played tier two junior A for a local team here in Ottawa. I, uh, I think it was probably entering my first after I played junior B, a second year of junior A. I was entering my third year, I guess, of junior hockey as a young age, just turned 18 year old in the fall. And uh, things just kind of went south with the team I was on. Um, there was a situation where, um, you know, in, in rather swift uh, couple decisions, I guess the coaches had the GM had quit, the coaches were fired, something in the, or maybe in the reverse order. Uh, the coach that was brought in was someone who I had had previously in uh, as a 14 year old, I believe in competitive hockey and just didn't feel it was a good situation. Didn't feel it was a good um, environment anymore. Someone I'd had uh, experiences with that I just really didn't feel would be healthy for me to be around. And thankfully the coaches that unfortunately walked away from the team uh, had a, conne- a connection to a coach in Kitchener. And that was through Fred Parker, who uh, at the time had been working central scouting and, and was a former tier two junior coach with these guys. So they had reached out and said, look, there's things that kind of blown up in this tier two team. This is a really good team. And there's maybe one or two guys who have a chance of going somewhere. I think you need to, you know, rescue this kid Fraser. So my rights were with the Barry Colts. Um, this all changed. Like when my junior team got a new coach and uh, that, that situation that I knew was no longer healthy for me, that was on like a Tuesday. By like the Thursday or Friday or it was whatever it was, it was like early in the week. By the Thursday or Friday, the Kitchener Rangers were two of their coaches, Steve Spot, who's now assistant coach with Dallas under Peter DeBoer, and Freddie Parker. Peter DeBoer was the head coach at Kitchener at the time. Um, and then his two assistant coaches came, drove down to Ottawa. Um, they were in playoffs themselves, or no, sorry, yeah, they were playing themselves, but early in the year. And uh, my dad, I skipped school. My dad brought me to the Weston. Um, we put had brunch with the coaches and they just kind of laid out for me. Look, we know you're a school guy. You want the, you know, education cared for. Here's a school package we can offer you. You can either go to Laurier or Waterloo while you're part-time, you know, and play with us. Um, it was the year of the 05 lockout. So we get tons of NHL scouts. Uh, they were, you know, it was my draft year. So they were getting me with that, you know, like we're in the, not far in the GTA area and within whatever it was, you know, a 60 kilometer drive or a hundred kilometer drive. There's all these different teams where all these different scouts go pretty much on that. I was like, bet I'm going, I'm, I'm off. And, uh, they traded my rights with Barry Colts the next day. That night I played my last game with the Gloucester Rangers tier two junior A team, told the guys after the game. This is my last game because I just got picked up by Kitchener. Um, and that was, like I said, a Thursday, Friday. By Sunday, I was packed up. I was a part-time student at Carleton University. So I you know, dropped out of those courses, moved out of home for the first time. My dad drove me to St. Mike's Majors where I met the coaches, DeBoer, and I met Mike Richards, our captain, and the team right there. 
I signed a contract and two hours later played my first OHL game, hop on the bus, drive to Kitchener, meet my billet family. And I'm just a junior hockey, I'm a major junior player. And, and, and about seven months later, eight months later was drafted um, third round to the New Jersey Devils. And when the draft happened, it all came back to the home city that nurtured his talent. Fortunately, the draft was in Ottawa. So it was one of those moments, uh, here I am back at the Westin, <laughs> the famous Westin, the, the place where I skipped school to talk to the Kitchen Rangers, the place where I met Joe McGinley the year before. My mom was busy cleaning the house because she was nervous and just couldn't, you know, she did, she couldn't be present in the moment. She was, yeah, she was just too nervous of what might or might not happen for her son. And uh, just refreshing the computer, refreshing the computer, but also had the radio playing because the draft, again, wasn't televised beyond the first round. And um, I think we heard it on the radio first. And it's like, you know, whatever, 84th New Jersey Devils select from the Kitchener Rangers, Mark, and a local guy, Mark Fraser, and wasn't convinced yet, like had to keep refreshing the page to actually see it in front of us. And I just remember yelling upstairs and my brother, I think, was like, Mom, Mom, get down here and... The New Jersey Devils is the Devils. Mark's going to the Devils, you know, and it was just us having like that celebration. Immediately the phone starts to ring and, you know, from your teammates, your friends, your family members. If you're enjoying My Hockey Hero and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and fueling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. And amazingly, his first NHL game also happened in his hometown. You're probably picking up on a little bit of a theme here, but I was incredibly lucky that my first NHL game was also in Ottawa. So I'm someone who didn't have to travel too often, I suppose, but, um, and flew to Ottawa and just, I remember being in that car ride with the, in the car service and calling my grandparents and calling my grandfather and telling him like, I made it like grandpa, I'm, I'm going to the NHL. Um, and just what joy it was. And, and again, such a surreal moment that you play your first game. I had probably, you know, five, six minutes of ice time, not much. I had a hit behind the net in the second period on Patrick Eves that made hits of the week. So that was a huge thing for me. And afterwards visited with about, you know, 20 family members and 20 more friends in the, you know, in, in, the, in the family room afterwards. And just what a, an incredible experience um, to be able to share, you know, so few, just to be able to afford this opportunity to with all the hard work, all the everything we talked about, that work ethic as a kid, the multiple sports, the training, the combine, uh, playing junior hockey, playing through tons of injuries. Um, just the, the hopes to get the chance. And then I get to share this moment with all my people. And some of those people I mentioned earlier that were my friends and teammates from seven years old, you know, who are my groomsmen as a 30 plus year old. Um, that was just one of the most special memories I'll, I'll forever, forever have. Mark's career took him to the Maple Leafs and the Oilers. And these years are filled with happy memories. I mean, the first year in, in the, the whole season, honestly, it was a highlight. I, I scored my first goal. Um, but that year with Toronto, uh, again, growing up in Ottawa, you know, I, I, I grew up before the Sens had a team. I started falling in love with the game before the Senators had a team. But regardless of that, um, you know, just what Toronto, I think the Leafs mean for any kid growing up loving hockey, coming from Ontario, 
Uh, it doesn't take you long to appreciate and understand what the organization means or represents. And just putting that jersey on for the first time. And the year prior, I got traded to tr- to Toronto, but it was a minor league trade. So I was playing with the Marlies and we had gone to the Calder Cup finals. And, you know, that was fantastic. But then the step from Marlies in that new lockout season, 12-13, to the Leafs, I can remember like the feeling of for the first time, first game, putting the physical jersey on. And I thought to that same grandfather that I called when I first got called up and he had since passed. But, you know, my family history, it was a grandfather on my mom's side was that, you know, he's 17 years old, fantastic hockey player in the villa in the, in the Valley of Ottawa um, would love like many others to pursue a dream in hockey. And after grade 12 and as a 17 year old, he, um, or just maybe recently a turned 18 year old, he um, and a friend were driven by his father to go enlist in the Second World War, and he flew Spitfires, and and he was in the war for close to four years, a little over four years, and came home to never skate or play hockey again. But two generations later, um, his grandson gets to don the same jersey that he would have always dreamt of, and that was just one of the most special like realizations, you know, that I get to do this, and he's not here now, but man, if he could see his grandson. Now put his half Jamaican grandson out throwing this jersey on. Um, and then so again, close proximity. I had a family in Toronto. I had a newborn nephew in Toronto. I had a few of my best buddies I grew up with who had now graduated university and were living and working in Toronto. That was one of the best highlights again is just being able to share with such an extreme. I, when you go away and play hockey or you're a pro athlete, you leave home every year. And when I'm in New Jersey or Lowell or in Edmonton or Anaheim or wherever I am, I'm not with my people who know me the most. I'm not doing this random thing that no one really knows what they might visit me for a weekend or something, but they don't know who my friends are, who my teammates are. And just being able to share that with now like your actual people. I had an entourage of people who just lived in the city who knew me from day one. That was one of the dopest things ever. After his NHL career, Mark now has an amazing new role with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I serve as, well, I run our culture and inclusion department with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So all things, uh, our equity, diversity, and inclusion department, as far as it pertains to um, creating education and awareness opportunities for team, for staff, for players, growing a more inclusive, more inclusive culture and a more um, safe environment for, for different marginalized individuals. But on top of that, influencing our business as well, all the different business units that support Maple Leafs from ticketing to partnerships to everything down to food and beverage. There's strategy that can be delivered to all these different, um, you know, at times siloed departments uh, to advance inclusion in our sport and to just think from a different perspective, you know, to be able to create brand strategies that are also influenced like, well, who is the marketplace we're reaching? And Toronto's the most diverse city in the world. 52% of the city identifies as racialized or or visible minority so if that's the case and we know what a hockey arena looks like on a saturday night how what do we do to strategically tap into these demographics and the next generations of fans it's i am optimistic about where things are going because for the first time pretty much ever there's attention on this now there's don't get it twisted there's still an incredible journey ahead there's a long road and i'm often reminding myself when i feel like it's my job is to push water up a hill and it's incredibly exhausting. I have an emotional investment that makes it really difficult when things are challenging or are not getting done. But I have to remain optimistic because this didn't exist before. This isn't for me. This isn't 
honestly, it's, it's not even for my children. This is probably for my children's children, uh, if we're if we're talking realistically, from where Herb Carnegie to Willie O'Ree, even the history of the Colored Hockey League and everyone in between to, um, you know, Val James and Graham Townsend and to PK Subans. There's so much that has had to have happened just for the next generation to continue to build upon that foundation. So that's just how I look at it. And we always say, you know, you gotta pay it forward to give, you know, give the game or give your community something back. And I'm trying to give the game something back that it desperately needs, but at the same time, selfishly, is gonna help a lot of my community members and, and the lower representation that we see within this sport. So what advice does Mark have for young players today? Um, be more than about the game. And what I mean by that is love the game, fall in love with the game, consume it in every way you can, but it doesn't, I mean, that's more of a message for the parents. It doesn't need to be all about the game. Uh, but look at me as an example. I was a good teammate. I was a leader. I was named captain many times on many different teams after being there for only short windows of time and having a letter thrown on my chest. And a lot of what gave me a 14 year pro career and longevity that I had was was the work ethic. It was, this isn't obviously doing something great and getting to the highest level possible. Isn't, there isn't space for everyone to do it. It's, it's, it's a small percentage of folks who get lucky to do it, but the work ethic, because the work ethic is something that can translate is such a wonderful trans transitional skill to have, to know that you might be a hockey player or a young athlete who gets to play junior hockey, or maybe you get a scholarship out of it, or maybe you may do get a chance to play pro for a few years. But what you can take away with you is a resilience and a work ethic that will honestly be unparalleled that will help you in any other endeavor that you end up pursuing in life. And the thing that I've realized here, Dean, is that I, I don't, um, I became about more than just hockey. You know, I'm not just Mark the hockey player anymore. I'm a former hockey player, but I'm someone who's doing things still in the game as we discussed and things for the game. But my purpose and my presence and my legacy will be so much greater than what I've done on the ice. But I only have these things afforded to me because of the pursuit and the passion, the work ethic that I already had. The reason why Brendan Shanahan continues to get, provide new opportunity for me is because he believes and sees in my work ethic. It's not just because I'm a black kid who showed up at his door and said, hey, I got some ideas. You know, I proved to him as well that that uh, he should bet on me and he should provide these opportunities to me because I'm going to work hard for him and for our organization. Um, so the same things that I held closely of being like I wanted, like that I took with me to the NHL combine or I took with me to a battle in the corner or on a penalty kill is I'm going to be the hardest working guy out here because I want my coach or that scout to see like this guy isn't completely polished. He's not the best skater. He's not the best hands but nobody outworks this. That's the same mentality that I'm going to continue to leverage for my success in the rest of my life and future. So there's so much greater than just the game itself, but it's hard to tell youth or kids or, or up and coming, you know, prospects, you may not make it, but I'm telling you what you're going to learn from this journey is going to help you so much more. It's hard to see that because they just want to see like, I just want to make it. But my advice is, is, regardless of, of how long you stay in something or a game or whatever the sport may be, if you really commit to giving something your all, there are so many opportunities and rewards coming your way. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey. By lowering financial barriers, 
for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out hockeyequality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast but would like to dive deeper, then check out our extended version of this interview at Recognize, Black Hockey Heroes of the NHL. You can click on the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Quality. You can see the cards of the players in my collection at blackhockeycards.com. This has been a Podstarter production. production.